Hello, friends. Welcome to Timeless Podcast, episode 15. The tradition unlike any other. That's my Jim Nance impersonation. Hopefully he doesn't have that phrase copyrighted. If he does, I apologize. But, episode 15. We are just rolling right along. So let's just get to it. Uh, We have got a book review for you this week. A book review. My favorite. Everybody's favorite. Well, maybe not everybody's favorite, but it's my favorite. Uh, And the book this week is... Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. So if you don't know who Phil Knight is, you've probably heard of the company he created, which is Nike. Uh, and Shoe Dog is his, his memoir. Uh, you know, about his, primarily about his early, his early days, kind of from when he got out of uh, business school at Stanford and went and in, up into uh, kind of founding Nike, which was originally called uh, Blue Ribbon Sports, and kind of the early days, the the struggles he had, um, the successes he had, you know, getting everything going, um, started out by importing uh, Onitsuka Tiger shoes from Japan. Um, and then they went on to create, start to create their own shoes, their own products. And fast forward, it's a behemoth. The biggest sporting goods, shoe, apparel brand in the world. So the book ends... Right around, so like I said, it starts kind of from right around when he starts to get going. uh, Right when he gets out of business school to, I believe the book ends kind of right when they go, right when they go public. Uh, so it's not uh, right around, yeah, 19, right, right around 1980 is when the book ends. So, uh, but it's an excellent, excellent book, uh, in my opinion. Uh, one of my favorite uh, business memoirs <clears throat> that, uh, that I've read. I, I really, really enjoyed Really enjoyed this book, so I will be will be diving into it. I've selected a few of my favorite passages. Um, I won't go in and explain the whole story because I want you to go buy the book or get it from the library and read it so that you can then enjoy it um, and and see what you can get out of it because it might be something different than. Uh, you know, than what I got out of it. 
which is why I encourage, which is why I don't like to go super into detail on all the books. Um, you know, I like to select what, what hits for me and, you know, what I got out of it, what was very impactful to me. But then I, I encourage everybody to go out, all the books we talk about, to go out and get them and read them because you might get something totally different out of it than I do. And that's what's great about, that's what's great about reading and in general is it, everything hits differently for every person. So without further ado, let's get into it. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. All right, so first passage. So he's talking about uh, his kind of crazy idea that he has, which is starting this this company, which starts out as importing Japanese running shoes. But that's kind of his crazy idea. And he refers to it throughout the book. But uh, Phil Knight was a, a runner. And that's kind of not how Nike started out, importing running shoes. Um, you know, primarily at first a running company. That's kind of the, the spirit of, of Nike, especially in the early days, uh, was as a running company. Phil Knight was a runner. Bill Bowerman, his track coach at Oregon, was an early partner in, or was his partner in Blue Ribbon Sports and then what eventually molded into Nike. Uh, so Phil Knight is a runner and he is, uh, ran, ran at Oregon, um, before he went on to Stanford business school. Uh, so collegiate runner, lifelong runner. And this is this, this, this passage. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages in the book right out of the gate. I just love, I love what he talks about here. So he's talking about running. So to the book, for that matter, few ideas are as crazy as my favorite thing, running. It's hard, it's painful, it's risky. The rewards are few and far from guaranteed. When you run around an oval track or down an empty road, you have no real destination, at least none that can fully justify the effort. The act itself becomes the destination. It's not just that there's no finish line. It's that you define the finish line. Whatever pleasures or gains you derive from the act of running, you must find them within. It's all in how you frame it, how you sell it to yourself. <clears throat> so this this might be my favorite passage in the book. And it's right out of the gate. It's within the first few pages. But this kind of... I think this passage beautifully describes everything that we talk about in terms of being internally motivated and and loving the the process of 
the process of progressing and getting better and <clears throat> trying to become the the best that you can be. And you know, he talks about there's no when you're when you're running, you don't really have a destination, <clears throat> at least not one that can fully justify the effort. Uh, the act itself becoming the destination. So that's that's loving the process. You def the 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 whatever you're doing. That act itself of of doing the activity or running your business or what whatever the case may be. That's your destination. Loving the process. You are the one who defines the finish line. That's that's being internally motivated. It's not some shiny thing out there that some external thing that you see. It's not that. It's it's internal. Whatever pleasures or gains you derive from the act of running, you must find them within. Boom. Internal motivation. And I think that that, that passage really just, I, I think that illustrates exactly what, what we talk about in terms of loving the process and, and being internally motivated. You, you have to define, don't let something external or someone else define what it is that you want to do. Define it yourself. Not that, again, not that external motivation doesn't have any value because it does, but like I say all the time, you know, this, this, the whole premise of this show is about timeless things, right? We're playing the long game. You define the finish line. Find it within. Okay, so, and then back to the book. So that morning in 1962, I told myself, let everyone else call your idea crazy. Just keep going. Don't stop. Don't even think about stopping until you get there. And don't give much thought to where there is. Whatever comes, just don't stop. That's the precocious, prescient, urgent advice I managed to give myself out of the blue and somehow managed to take. Half a century later, I believe it's the best advice, maybe the only advice, any of us should ever give. So that's very, you know, good stuff right there. Don't, uh, you know, that that's basically saying, well, one, keep going. You got to just keep pushing through the good times, through the bad times. Just keep going. Don't stop. You know, be be the man. Don't worry about what other people say. Be be the man in the arena. Like uh, like in the Teddy Roosevelt poem we had from the very first episode. All right. Next. So he goes on to talk about a... I believe this is after he was in or got out of business school. He's taken a, a trip around the world, a trip of self-discovery, like uh, you know, like a lot of a lot of young people do. So, and he's he's in he's in Asia. I'm not exactly sure. I think he's in Thailand at the moment. 
or no, sorry, the Philippines. And uh, he's in the Philippines and at a hotel where George Patton, or excuse me, not, not Patton, uh, MacArthur, Douglas MacArthur had stayed at. And he's thinking about something that uh, that MacArthur had had said. So he goes, this is from the book. And of all the great fighting men in history, I found MacArthur the most compelling. Those Ray-Bans, that corncob pipe, the man didn't lack for confidence. Brilliant tactician, master motivator, he also went on to head the U.S. Olympic Committee. How could I not love him? Of course he was deeply flawed, but he knew that. You are remembered, he said prophetically, for the rules you break. So... What's the point of that? Take risks. Get out of your comfort zone. Break some rules. And that doesn't mean break the law. Maybe it's just breaking some rules you've set for yourself. Some rules you've set for yourself that are holding you back. That, uh, you know, that are keeping you from, from where you need to be going and from being the best that you can be. So, think about that. Think about what kind of rules maybe you've set in place for yourself that aren't helping and then move to break them. Okay. All right, so next next passage, he's talking about uh, going to meet the... He's going to have a meeting with his former coach at Oregon, Bill Bowerman, about... Uh, about starting this shoe company and becoming a, uh, a partner. I pulled up to Bowerman's stone fortress and marveled, as I always did at the setting, remote. Not many folks made it out here, along Coburg Road to Mackenzie Drive until you found a winding dirt lane that went a couple miles up the hills into the woods. Eventually you came to a clearing with rose bushes, solitary trees, and a pleasant house, small but solid with a stone face. Bowerman had built it with his bare hands. As I slipped my Valiant into park, I wondered how on earth he'd managed all that back-breaking labor by himself. The man who moves a mountain begins by carrying away small stones. So, now obviously that last line, which is the line I have marked off, uh, of that passage is uh, probably some kind of ancient proverb or something like that. But where it comes from, I don't know. But the point of it is, if you want to move a mountain, you want to create big change, you want to create something great, starts by carrying away small stones. So start with, you know, you don't have to You don't have to move, create something great all at once. You're not going to, you're not going to, you know, if you're starting out as an entrepreneur, you're not going to beat Amazon 
in in two weeks. Just not going to happen. Or whatever the case may be. But start carrying away those small stones step by step. I mean, little things add up to big things. So do the little things right. Then you'll be able to get the big things right. And just make small, slow, steady progress. And you will get to where you need to be going. Okay. Next piece. So now he's uh, he's founded Blue Ribbon Sports. He's importing uh, these Anatsuka Tigers from Japan and distributing them. And he is... He's talking to a, a salesman who wants to be a sales rep for him in, uh, I believe, in California. So Phil Knight's in Oregon up in Portland, and this guy's in California, and he wants to, uh, to sell these Anatsuka Tiger shoes. And he's asking... He's asking Phil Knight, you know, how he sees the the future, the long-term prospects of the company of Blue Ribbon Sports. And so this is what Knight says. I didn't lie, exactly. Maybe out of pity, maybe haunted by the image of Johnson. That's the sales rep. Single, lonely, his body wrapped in plaster of Paris, gamely trying to keep himself and my company alive. I sounded an upbeat tone. Blue Ribbon, I said, would probably morph over the years into a generalized sporting goods company. We probably have offices on the West Coast and one day maybe in Japan. Far-fetched, I wrote, but it seems worth shooting for. This last line was wholly truthful. It was, wor- it was worth shooting for. If Blue Ribbon went bust, I'd have no money and I'd be crushed. But I'd also have some valuable wisdom which I could apply to the next business. Wisdom seemed an intangible asset, but an asset all the same, one that justified the risk. Starting my own business was the only thing that made life's other risks, marriage, Vegas, alligator wrestling, seem like sure things. But my hope was that when I failed, if I failed, I'd fail quickly so I'd have enough time, enough years, to implement all the hard-won lessons. It wasn't much for setting goals, but this goal kept flashing through my mind every day until it became my internal chant. Fail fast. Okay, so I like that passage a lot too. Now obviously, and we've talked about this many times, that your goal goal obviously is not to fail. I mean, sometimes I think that that can be, failure can be glamorized a little bit. It's not what you want. You know, we only talk about people's failures when they have a success story later on. The guy who fails a thousand times probably isn't remembered. But the guy who fails a thousand times and succeeds that once applies the lessons from those thousand failures and keeps going, learns from them, corrects his mistakes, gets better, 
and create something great, that's, that's what we remember. So keep that in mind. You know, it's not, when we say failure, and, and we had an entire episode about failure being a timeless principle of success. It is only if you learn from it, right? Failing a thousand times and not learning from it is not a, is not a principle of success. That's just being crazy, not learning from, from your mistakes. S- learning from failure and turning it into success, that's timeless. You know, we talk about a lot. My favorite phrase, you win or you learn. Boom. That's exactly what he's saying here. So, you know, have a big goal, something worth shooting for. And if it fails, yeah, you're going to be crushed. But you're going to have wisdom, which you can apply to your next venture, the next part of your life. And he says here that the wisdom seemed an intangible asset, one that justified the risk. So trying, even if you fail, is worth it, right? That's worth the risk, the risk of failure. Trying something is worth the risk of failure because either you succeed, boom, awesome. You don't, well, that's fine. You learned. You learned some wisdom. You learned what you did right, what you may have done right, what you did, and more importantly, what you did wrong, so you cannot do that again. And keep on trucking. So if you got to fail, yeah, fail fast so you have enough time. We can all hope that if we fail, it's fast so we have enough time to correct it. But yeah, I I like that passage a lot. A very good example of you win or you learn, our favorite phrase around here. All right, next passage. So we are in... All right, he's talking about, this is a, he's talking about a legendary figure in, in the running world, Steve Prefontaine, died prematurely in a car crash, but uh, Pre, as he was called, a, was a, a runner at Oregon, I'm not sure, I don't remember exactly what just oh, it's, okay. He he was a two ran two miler. Uh, so kind of a middle middle distance runner. Uh, he may have done longer than that. Like I said, I'm not 100 percent sure. But anyway, pre as he's called, and I think they even still have a pre classic at the University of Oregon every year. A legendary figure in the world of running, um, and at the University of Oregon, and. Uh, so this he's talking about about Steve Prefontaine and what what kind of makes him great, what makes him tick. So to the book. Bowerman told Bill that's Bill Bowerman, the Oregon track coach and his first uh his partner in Blue Ribbon Sports. Bowerman told the writer from Sports Illustrated that Pre was the fastest middle distance runner alive. I'd never heard such unbridled enthusiasm from my stolid coach. In the days ahead, in other articles I clipped, Borman was even more effusive, calling Pre the best runner I've ever had. Borman's assistant, Bill Dellinger, said Pre's secret weapon was his confidence. 
which was as freakish as his lung capacity. Usually it takes our guys 12 years to build confidence in themselves. Here's a young man who has the right attitude naturally. Yes, I thought. Confidence. More than equity, more than liquidity, that's what a man needs. So, confidence. An certainly an important element, right? Now, where does it come from? I, I heard once, I think it's hard to say, but I heard someone say, confidence comes from knowing what you're doing. I think it can come from a lot of different areas. But the point is, you have to have confidence in yourself. Now, that's not the same as being cocky. But you have to have confidence in yourself that, that you're either going to get it done or you're going to you're going to come out on top, you're going to whatever. You have to have that that self-belief. That will carry you through, like he says in here, more than equity, more than liquidity. That will carry you through life, through business, through everything. Everything that you're doing, you have to have the confidence in yourself. And sometimes it's just training training yourself Training it into yourself, practicing, drilling the things that you need to do until they're, until they're second nature. You know, that that's helps build confidence. Doing stuff, trying, failing, trying again, succeeding, that builds confidence. Because then you know that you can, you can do it. So then you go out and do it. If you... If you screw up, you fail, you lose, no matter. Because you know that's just about that one specific performance. A bad, you know, having a bad performance and whatever it is is about the performance, not the performer. That's being, knowing that is being confident. You lost the game, that was a bad performance. It's about, that's about the, my performance right now. It's not about me, my, me as a performer as a whole. I blew that sales meeting. That's just about that one incident. That's not about me as a salesman as a whole. So that's confidence. So have that. Build it. And you, the only way to do that, I think, now it's it certainly comes from knowing what you're doing. So you got to practice. you got to research. you got to study. Boom. Whatever. I mean, it, if you study a lot, you know all the material for a test, think back to when you were in school or if you are in school now. Think about that. You studied everything. You're like, oh man, I'm going to crush this. I know everything that's on this test. I know what I'm doing here. That's confidence, right? It's the same thing. And whatever you, that translates into whatever else it is you're doing. You're going to you're going to play in a golf tournament, tennis tournament, whatever. I know how to serve. I know how to, I know I've put in the work. I know I got my ground strokes down. My putting's on point, my chipping's on point, my driving's on point. I know how to do all this. I know how to win. That, that's a key ingredient, 100%. You have to have the confidence to know that you can get the job done. And when you don't get the job done, 
because you're not going to win every single time. You have to have the confidence to know that the next time you will. That's confidence also. And that will be a key ingredient in pretty much everything. Pretty much everything that that you do. You got to have confidence. More than equity, more than liquidity. Confidence. Boom. All right. Back to the book. All right. So this is, again, about another quote. This is, uh, again, about uh, Steve Prefontaine. And this is, I think he's actually talking about... uh, I think this is right before Steve Prefontaine's death in a car accident. But anyway, he's he's talking about uh, a. I think this there's a party after a a race that uh, that Pre had won. So, to the book, Pre was most famous for saying, "Somebody may beat me, but they're going to have to bleed to do it." Watching him run that final weekend of May 1975, I'd never felt more admiration for him or identified with him more closely. Someone may beat me, I told myself. Some banker or creditor or competitor may stop me, but by God, they're going to have to bleed to do it. I love that passage, too. And that this goes back to confidence. Just knowing that regardless of what it is you you have the you're going to outlast them you're willing to put in the work you're willing to grind you're willing to do the things that other people aren't going to do it man if they're going to ha- if they're going to if someone's going to beat you man they're going to have to give it everything they have they're going to have to Bleed to do it. That's an element of confidence. That they're they're going to have to give it everything they have, and they might beat you on some nights. They might beat you, but they're going to have to bleed to do it. You know, be be that pit bull mentality. You know, just go after it. Lock on. Don't let go. Keep going. Don't stop. You know, and that's and this is you know he's talking about athletics, and then he he re, uh, links that to his business career. You know, and someone might beat me, but they're going to have to bleed to do it. So that applies to business. It applies to whatever you're doing, any sort of competitive endeavor. Say, someone might. I mean, anything. Athletics, academics. Business. Someone might beat you, but they're going to have to bleed to do it. Put in that work. That's what that's what that is. You know, just I, I remember hearing an interview with Will Smith one time, and he said he was talking about you know work ethic and belief in himself, and he said something that basically goes. He goes, I know I'm going to win in the long term. He goes, because I'm willing to die on a treadmill. He said that if we both get on a treadmill and we're going to see who goes the longest, either you're getting off first 
or I'm going to die on the treadmill. And, you know, that's the same kind of thing as right here. You know, just ingrain that into yourself. You're playing, and you're playing long term. You know, I, I can grind, I can work, I can build this for the long haul. So if someone wants to beat me, they're going to have to keep up. They're going to have to bleed just like I am. To uh, if you want to beat me, man, good luck. And you might, but it's going to take everything you have. So be that guy. Tell yourself that. Tell yourself, someone if some someone might beat me, but they're gonna have to bleed to do it. Okay. All right. So this is the next two passages are from the afterword, which is. The whole book is great, but this is a it's a really cool kind of uh reflection by Phil Knight kind of looking back over over the years. And uh it's a, it's a really it's really cool to hear him kind of look back and you're reading it hear him kind of look back on his life and so and he talks about he has this secret regret which is that he can't do it all over again so this is to the book god how i wish i could relive the whole thing short of that i'd like to share the experience the ups and downs so that some young man or woman somewhere going through the same trials and ordeals might be inspired or comforted or warned some young entrepreneur, maybe some athlete or painter or novelist, might press on. It's all the same drive, the same dream. It would be nice to help them avoid the typical discour- discouragements. I tell them to hit pause, think long and hard about how they want to spend their time, and with whom they want to spend it for the next 40 years. I tell men and women in their mid-twenties not to settle for a job or a profession or even a career. Seek a calling. Even if you don't know what that means, seek it. If you're following your calling, the fatigue will be easier to bear. The disappointment... The disappointments will be fuel. The highs will be like nothing you've ever felt. So, you know, that's, what is your calling? I don't, that's, that's hard to figure out. I'm not even sure if I know what mine is yet. But I think the, that's, the important thing is to seek it. You know, seek a calling. Because I think for, it's obviously going to be different for every person. But you're going to know what it is. You'll know what it is when you find it, but seek a calling. And I think that that's, you know, just as a larger picture of living a successful life, and which is more than, and I'm not talking about making money, because it's a lot more than that, you know, 
being fulfilled and making an impact on the world around you, you have to do that. So seek that calling. Even if you don't know what it means, seek it. So just, you know, get out there, try things. You never know what you're going to find. Just seek it. Because if you're following a calling, it'll make everything easier. The whole thing, I mean, it's not going to be easy, but like he says, fatigue will be easier to bear. If it's your calling, your losses will be fuel. You'll bounce back from all those. And when you do make it, when you do make that impact, reach that mountaintop. All that struggle and everything, it'll all be worth it. Okay. Back to the book. Last passage. Luck plays a big role. Yes, I'd like to publicly acknowledge the power of luck. Athletes get lucky. Poets get lucky. Businesses get lucky. Hard work is critical. A good team is essential. Brains and determination are invaluable. But luck may decide the outcome. Some people might not call it luck. They might call it Tao or Logos or Dharma or Spirit or God. Put it this way. The harder you work, the better your, your Tao. And since no one has ever adequately defined Tao, I now try to go regularly to Mass. I would tell them, have faith in yourself, but also have faith in faith. Not faith as others define it, faith as you define it. Faith as faith defines itself in your heart. So, and, and if faith doesn't have to be, I mean, it, it certainly can be in a, in a religious sense. He's just talking about faith. Faith however you define it, whether that's with religion or whatever it is. Faith as you have faith in faith, have faith in yourself, that's important, but have faith in faith. That way you can have faith in yourself and make sure you define that for you. So, those are my favorite, some of my favorite passages from Shoe Dog. Uh, really a great a great book. I I, I would inc- I really enjoyed it. Um, and I would encourage everybody go to go out and read it. Uh, there's a lot of great you know stuff in there and talk especially and I didn't really go a lot into details about you know I just kind of talked about some of my favorite passages. I didn't talk about the uh, some of the you know low times that he had. I mean there was. There was a point uh, where, you know, the company came very close to folding. They were being sued, and uh, you know, the the court decision, the lawsuit decision, eventually went in their favor. But I mean, it was very close to uh, to everything blowing up and crashing. Um, you know, but he got through it and persevered and. created a behemoth, a, a company that's 
one of the most val not just one of the most valuable companies in the world, but one of the most valuable brands in a world in the world. I mean that the swoosh is iconic. You know, Nike is really it's it's become a part of American culture. It's it's iconic. Uh but you know, before it became the behemoth, this is the story that's in this book. So I really encourage everybody to go out and read it. Pick it up, whether it's uh, audiobook, ebook, you buy it, you rent it from the library, whatever, go out and buy it. I, I promise you, you'll get something out of it. I, uh, I know I did. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of, a lot of the principles we talk a lot about, um, on this show are, Are talked about in this book, and it's it's really good. It's really cool to see, you know, that real your your classic American entrepreneurial perseverance grit story. Uh, how it all kind of comes together to build a uh, build an empire, if you will. So, Shoe Dog by Phil, by Phil Knight, our timeless book of the week. Part of our Timeless Book Club. We'll have to work on creating that. I like that idea, the Timeless Book Club. That is all I've got for us this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for listening. I hope you get something out of the show. I love I love you all. I thank you for listening. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. Whether that's through uh, you know leaving a uh, review on on iTunes or Google Play, or you can connect with me on the internet. Uh, Instagram is at Reed underscore Ebersole, R E I D underscore E B E R S O L E, and then we also have a. Twitter page now. Uh, Twitter is at Timeless PDCST. So T I M E L E S S P D C S T. Either, I can't remember why I didn't put spell out podcast. Either someone already took it or it might have been too long. So Timeless PDCST on Twitter. Uh, those are the two best places to connect. And yeah, that's all I got. We will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening. Go out and get the book, read it, enjoy it, learn from it, take what you learn, put it into practice, live your best life. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you, everybody. Peace.